Let's go around the horn, and I'll assume if you give me a go, you've got no instrumentation problems. Booster? Go flight. Retro? Go flight. Fighter? Go flight. Control? Telcom? Go. TNC? Econ? Capcom? Go. Surgeon? Go. ONC? Go. AFC? NIO? Go. Network? Go. You got everything up? Go. Hello, I'm Ian Christie, and this is Terranauts. Today on the show, we have one of those guests that, honestly, I had in mind when I started the show. Gilles Leclerc has been working at the Canadian Space Agency for over 30 years, almost since there's been a Canadian Space Agency, in fact. He has held or acted in just about every management position all the way up to president. He has worked intimately with international partners in Europe and with NASA, and he has quite literally had a front row seat for just about all of Canada's big moments in space since the early 1990s. If there is anyone who deserves to be called a Terranaut, it's Gilles. Gilles Leclerc, welcome to Terranauts. Thank you, Ian. Pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm humbled by everything you said. Sometimes I don't recognize me, but... Uh, well, okay, so yeah. this is, you know, this is a question I really wanted to ask before we go back and start, your, you know, talking about your bio and your career, because this this is something that I, that I experience all the time, too. It's like, do you ever wake up in the morning and kind of shake your head and wonder how you got here? I mean, especially when you read some retrospective article about space over the last 40 years and you find yourself thinking, yep, I remember that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then you think, wow, I have seen or participated in some really interesting things. I get like, how did that happen? Does, does that happen to you? Oh, uh, all the time. A- apart from the imposter syndrome and the fact that as a Canadian, I, the only thing I can brag about is my modesty. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 it, it's looking looking back at what you've done uh, it, it's at, at some times. I mean, you, you, you feel like, you know, did we really... And it's not only me, it's, it's the whole team, the, the Canadian Space Program team, uh, industry, universities, it's CSA as well. But when you realize that you've played a part uh, in some of these, uh, in a modest way, uh, in all these uh, programs, you, you feel, you know, I, I've done something good. And uh, looking at the uh, pictures of the, the kid I used to be dreaming, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s following the Apollo program, and now, half a century later, we're, we're about to go back to the moon. It, it is really amazing in terms of uh, not so much my accomplishments, but having had the opportunity to play some part in it. You know? Yeah, to, to see it from the inside is is uh, has has been a real, uh, I don't know, honors maybe the wrong word, but it, it's a little bit freaky to to me to sit there and go, wow, I, I was there when that happened. Um, at yeah, any rate, and, yeah and, and this is a conversation about, about Terranauts, but even, you know, someone like David Saint-Jacques uh, during his EVA, uh, it, it was well described by David when he started his EVA, was literally on top of the world and he realized that mm. everything he had done so far in his life his education his career right. was converging to create that moment uh, in space so yeah so so let's uh, but let's go back a little bit so you grew up you grew up in Quebec in the 60s and 70s right I'm a native of Quebec City yeah and uh, as, I, as I mentioned I grew up uh, following the Apollo program and you know th- there was this big vision and ambition to uh, to go to the moon, uh, it was all enabled 
by technology, engineering, you know, creating new machines. And that, that feeling is still very much present now. And that's what inspired me. Uh, and that's what inspires astronauts, terranauts, and, and space nuts. So did you think you were going to be working in the space program or the space business when you when you were growing up? Did you think that was a possibility? Uh, not, not really. I mean, <laughs> there, there was no, there, there was, there was a Canadian space program. I mean, back from, from the the fifties and early sixties, I knew there was a Canadian space program. I was very interested. Uh, uh, it's, you know, I, I studied engineering physics, then I specialized in geophysics. Right. Uh, as a geophysicist, I, I think it, it, it makes me the ultimate terranaut. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, I was following actually what, what was happening in, in Canada's space program, and 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 in fact, when uh, when the Canadian Space Agency was officially founded out of the various fragments, we talked to Mac Evans about that a long time ago. But but uh, you were one of the first people who actually applied to join the agency that that wasn't already a government employee. Is that true? I uh, was we we there, there's a contest as to was who was actually the first employee, but I, I'm certainly one of the top five. So right. yeah, in in the late '80s, uh, the first long-term space plan had been announced, and the, the the creation of a national space agency also had been announced. So it opened it opened a door for me, and you know, I, I just sent a letter to uh, to Mac Evans, and to my surprise, Mac Evans replied and said, you know, why don't you come talk to me? So, wow. uh, so, the, and and <laughs> it was it was kind of a dream come true, and I, w- I was one of those people who said, you know, I'm willing to come and work for the CSA for free. <laughs> <laughs> Did they take you up on that offer? Uh, no, because it's <laughs> I, I'm, I was I was unionized then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so what, yeah, it, I, I witnessed the creation of the CSA in the early '90s. Uh, I started right. in space policy and industrial development, uh, then moving to specifically uh, managing the, the Canada ESA program. So we had this, this we had just renewed uh, in back in 1989 our cooperation agreement with the European Space Agency. Right. So I, I got involved in that pretty quickly. So, so a lot of people probably don't don't appreciate that Canada has kind of a, a funny and special status when it comes to uh, the European Space Agency. We are actually, in a way, members of that, right? We are a cooperating member. There are something like twenty-two member states, uh, and we are still, to this day, the only uh, non-European and cooperating state of the European Space Agency. And we've been renewing this partnership now for. You know, since 1979, so wow. it, it's uh, and ESA appreciates Canada's contribution. It makes them a truly international space agency. Yeah. And we, we've yeah. benefited from that uh, long-standing cooperation. Well, it, it's kind of a classic Canadian thing, too, right? To to be a part of something European, as as well as you know, obviously close friends and neighbors with with NASA. Um, so so in working with the Europeans, I mean, you know, it, I know this has come up a lot in your career, but Mac and I talked about this too. Uh, if your experience of working with the Europeans is anything like mine, uh, you probably find out that you get to space by going to a lot of meetings. Well, actually, that. <laughs> It's most of my time as a to, yeah. to day, attending meeting, yeah, attending yeah. meeting and worrying about the the, the space program. So yeah, yeah we, I, I became uh, I became just as I was started. I became involved in these programs I mentioned, and I 
I still remember to this day the first uh, meeting where I was representing Canada, the European Space Agency, with these European uh, heads of space agencies around the table, and you have the Canadian in flag in front of you, and mm. you're supposed to represent Canadian interests. So that that was really a, a defining moment. Right. So yes, I, I learned a lot with, with TISA about international cooperation, the need to pull resources together, make compromises, take risks, and right. build a, a viable uh, space program. And, and Canada's and, and Canada's, Canada's role with ESA is really to support our industry, to give them access yeah. to space missions and also to the, to the European space market. Right. Well, you know, I mean, we I, I joke about you get to space by going to a lot of meetings, but but I've had lots of people who have said that. And, and in really, it's just a reflection of the fact that nobody gets to space alone, right? And, and if you're going to be involved in something as worthwhile as a lot of uh, space missions are, then people are going to take it seriously and have a stake. And, and you just can't do it unless everybody has a chance to make sure that, that you know, they get their chance to, to shape the, the outcomes. And that means you're going to do a lot of talking. Absolutely, and it, it's important to be there uh, to show uh, to show Canada, put a face on Canada, mm. uh, work together. Obviously, I mean, and and you know that as well as I do. Having been involved in space projects, uh, the team approach is extremely important, not only with you know within companies, but with space agencies and internationally. And and we've it's been a big advantage for Canada to leverage international partners uh, right. like ESA, but NASA as well. NASA is still and will remain our number one partner. Uh, we have the technologies, we have the bright minds, we, we have the science, and they have the missions. They have the, uh, the space transportation systems to bring our technologies to space. Yeah. So, so just to stick with Europe for just a minute, because some people may not know this, but you were actually a diplomat at one point. Like you literally were the Canadian face of space in Europe for a little while. What was that like? Uh, yeah. I mean, back in 1997, uh, I was selected as the counselor for uh, science, technology and space affairs at the Canadian Embassy in Paris. So I spent three very busy, extraordinary years uh, at the European Space Agency, being uh, you know the permanent delegate to the European Space Agency, back then uh, Europe had a f well still has but had a very dynamic space program mm. uh, with large projects like Ariane Five, Columbus, Hermes, uh, but mostly for of interest to, to Canada, uh, a very uh, solid satellite communications and Earth observation right. programs. Areas in which, you know, our companies had potential to contribute and uh, my job was to defend their interests. Yeah, uh, that, that must have been a real education in, in, um, in you know, the politics and business uh, of space for, for someone reasonably new to the position. Yeah, and it culminated uh, just as I was leaving, coming back to Canada with the prime minister uh, signing the uh, a new 10-year agreement with ESA at, at Paris. At ESA headquarters in Paris, so Prime Minister Chrétien was present. Mac Evans as well. It was quite. Uh, I, good I, I, think I, have, I think I have an idea of how you spent the few months before that day. <laughs> it was hectic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you came back to Canada, and I know that you you've worked really a lot of your career in developing new space technology. So, uh, rather than just kind of go through the history lesson, I just have a question for you. What What was the first time that you saw a program that you had been around for from the beginning 
launch and actually become like a spacecraft or part of a spacecraft. And and what was it like to to sit there and realize that, you know, something you'd worked on maybe for years uh, was finally leaving the planet? Wow, that, there, <laughs> there are many. I mean, that back in Canada in 2000, I was... Uh, I was actually the director for technology management and applications and space technologies at the time was responsible for uh, actually initiating all the uh, the studies, the concept studies for future missions. So I was actually present and involved in the uh, in missions like RCM, uh, the rare site constellation missions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took almost you know, 15, 20 years to get there. And NEKF2 was uh, an important milestone for me because uh, at the time, CSA was involved in advancing uh, technologies, in, in this particular case, for K-band. So mm. we, we had a role to play to help industry uh, push the technology and give access to uh, remote communities, to broadband. So that, that one was a significant one. Uh, I mean, th- there were many others, and, and it's, you know, given the fact that this is teamwork, that we all, we can all take credit, there's a bunch of people who can take credit, industry first, universities, right. uh, just having part in a multitude of, of projects like this was, was really important, uh, but I mean, well, there are know, many that come to mind. Yeah, well, and, you know, I think it, it also brings up the fact that, you know, if you want to be a successful Terranaut, I think one of the uh, w- one of the characteristics you really need to have is patience. Uh, this is not something I mean, you need to spend a career doing things to see things through to their their culmination. If, if you want to be there from the beginning to the end, it, it's going to take time. Yeah. And, uh, you know. My job, in a way, is to prepare the future because space missions take such a long time to uh, to prepare, to define, to, to propose, to get approved, funded, then developed, launched. And when, once you get to your destination, as is the case for space exploration, or once you get into uh, the operations mode, you get to the phase where you get all the rewards of that hard work. And, and mm-hmm. when you receive the data, the images, the... Right. The excitement of discovery. Uh, so space space exploration and space in general is, is all about delayed gratifications. It's when you see, and it goes back to what I was saying, when, when you see your, your achievements, it's worth all the hard work and the, the efforts you, you put through that. Yes, it is. So so I want to go back. Uh, we talked about NASA a, a bit before. Um, it, it's fair to say in your career, like mine, honestly, has kind of paralleled the development of the International Space Station. We've, we, we've all become uh, mature at the same time. Um, when you started, ISS had just barely survived a couple of budget battles in Canada and in the U.S. Congress. Now, Canada had delivered the Canada arm to the space shuttle, but we were asking for and expecting quite a different role on space station. Um, that must have been kind of a defining characteristic of your early days talking to NASA. What was that like? I, I came into the, uh, you know, at, at managing the International Space Station uh, program only in 2010s, but I, I had been a witness to all the uh, trials and tribulations of putting together a large, very ambitious program like the ISS. And to this day, the ISS remains the single biggest international science program and really object that that we've developed and 
I guess know, that's true. But yeah. marvelous, yeah, but marvelously put into space. It's it, it still is. Uh, it's yeah, still it's amazing. Everybody on the planet can see it at some point. Uh, sorry, everybody on the planet has a chance to see that at some point. Uh, well, I guess everybody between about minus fifty four and fifty four degrees latitude or something. Yeah, and, and you know, initially, and we're going back way in the the eighties and nineties. Canada was, uh, in fact, Spar had the idea that Canada could contribute after our success with the the original Canada that we could provide a, a space garage for the International mm-hmm. Space Station. So we ended up contributing uh, the suite of robotics, the, the mobile-based system, Dexter and Canada Arm 2 uh, to the space station. And uh, we've we've had a permanent presence now on, in low Earth orbit for 20 years, uh, operating right. the, uh, the mobile servicing system. Uh, we perform life science experiments. We have astronauts' missions to the ISS and... We're developing medical platforms, and and all the activity will probably continue into the the, the 2030s uh, sure. while we transition to a different business model. But you know, coming back, the, someone said you know the International Space Station is, is the single best thing that we did. We, I mean, humanity. It's it's an amazing mm. lab, and uh, it's also. You know, all kinds of poetic things have been said about the ISS. It's like it's, right. it's a sailing star and it's the dawn of humans' life in space. So it's, it's, right. it's poetic and it's true. But it, it's also interesting that Canada's role, I mean, it, it might be a subtle thing to other people, but for people who live through the transition, it was not subtle at all. Um, we, as you said, we operate things in space. Um, when, when in the shuttle program before the ISS days, we built things that went there. Um, but uh, along with some some uh, things like like radar sat one, uh, the ISS was r- the real change for Canada was that we are there. There are people in Canada every day who are in space, right? Yeah, and sometimes we we have a a role that is not visible, but on a on a weekly basis. I mean, we have people here in the at CSA headquarters in Saint Hubert operating the uh, the MSS. Uh, we, uh, you know, Chris Hatfield famously said that Canada built the Canadarm to that built the space station. Right. Uh, but now we're, we're we've been operating uh, and maintaining the the space station, supporting EVAs, deploying instruments. Uh, uh, you know, we, we right now we're busy with the HTV, the Japanese cargo vehicle uh, operations. Yeah. Uh, we're, so you're right. We're playing a very different role. We have the the responsibility as a partner of the International Space Station to provide robotics uh, work, uh, and and we do that uh, very faithfully. It's recognized by NASA. There are some right. things now that we do with Canada Arm Two and Dexter that were not even planned. Right. You know, birthing, uh, visiting vehicles. Sure. Sure. There was no notion that there would be a commercial. Uh, crew and commercial uh, cargo vehicle coming to station when we committed but we've been there we're, we're there for the long run we are we get we get the trust of, of NASA and all the international partners because of that participation well that and I mean that that's really the the thing I think over over your career uh, my career too uh, it's fair to say that you know Canada has kind of really found its place in space over the last 30 years I mean in in the 1980s and, and 90s um, you know, when they were thinking about building the space station, Canada 
actually wasn't really a natural choice to be a partner. I think a lot of people don't realize that. And and when we stood up and said, no, we're going to operate, um, you know, a significant and critical piece of space station on orbit, um, you know, that assertion was was not met with universal um, optimism by some of the partners. But but in this latest round, when NASA started talking about organizing an international mission, literally to go back to the moon, I mean, we were really one of the first countries they asked. In fact, they kind of assumed we were in, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you have people like Bill Mackey and who were there from the very first days of, you know, actually commissioning the Canada and NASA was very doubtful. You know, they, they were kind of regretting the fact that they had given Canada such a, a critical role. But we proved to be, as, as all Canadian space technology has demonstrated, we're, we're very rob, robust. Uh, we, we can provide uh, service uh, and that's what we've shown. Uh, and th- it gave us the credibility, the credentials to be the one partner, the go-to partner now for space robotics. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be doing with uh, Canada Arm 3 uh, on Lunar Gateway. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, our place in space is, uh, you know, I tend to focus on human space flight, I know, because that's that's where I grew up. But but Canada has done an awful lot in space since those days when we were uh, sticking our hand up and saying, you know, me too, me too. I want to join the international spacefaring community back in the 80s. Absolutely. We, we, and again, we, we gain credibility in space. We, we, there's a cliche that Canada is pulling above its weight in space. And it's because we as a nation, uh, and I include government, uh, industry, uh, the academic community, we have demonstrated our ability to do all kinds of extraordinary things in space, uh, we were a pioneer with uh, Alouette, looking at the uh, upper atmosphere, third country with our own satellite in space. Then yep. we also pioneered satellite communications, first domestic uh, geostationary system. Uh, we were a pioneer in KU, and well, first of all, in CKU and K-Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, those are important milestones, and we had then RadarSat coming. So we, we have all these technologies Robotics uh, gave us a ticket for human exploration. Uh, yeah. Had it not been for the, the original Canadarm, we wouldn't have had that many astronaut flights. Uh, the opportunity to have uh, experiments on the shuttle and now on the space station. Mm. So uh, there's a nice, and it's it's based on wise investments by government initially, and the fact that we have a solid industry to support. Uh, all these missions that we've accomplished, uh, everything we've accomplished in, in the past five decades. So, so I alluded to it at the start um, that you've seen some truly amazing events and, you, and you've talked about a lot of them as we've been talking. But are, are there any moments in particular that we haven't talked about that, that stand out as something where you just kind of stop for a minute and went, wow, I'm, I'm glad I was here for that? Well, I, I think that there, w- there was a moment that we shared together, uh, <laughs> the launch of a shuttle with the, the DTO, the, uh, the TRIDAR that had been developed by uh, NEPTEC yes. uh, for approach to space station. Th- this was an amazing launch because it, it was uh, an early mor- morning launch and you had, we had the shuttle launch, we had the moon, we had the ISS flying right over the launch pad. Uh, 
And you, you realize at that moment, okay, we're contributing the, this new system that's going to help us, uh, uh, this new Canadian technology that's going to be adopted by uh, commercial cargo providers uh, that we've worked for years, and especially you, Ian, uh, it's now flying. It's it's going to reach that that star that we see moving in space, yeah. that the ISS. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just watching a launch in, in itself is, is really, you know, it's almost a religious experience that that's what everyone says. Mm. But in that particular moment that you see lined up your equipment on the shuttle, the ISS flying over and then the moon, which we know is has become yeah. our new objectives, it, it, it's really a thrilling moment. And and you you uh, yourself has, have given uh, a very, very inspiring uh, vision of, of that very moment. Yes, yes, folks, that's a brilliant segue from Jill. Go back and listen to Launch Day. And uh, yes. and by the way, all of you out there are listening to this still owe me your Launch Day stories. Now, Jill's kind of gotten out of that by saying his is the same as mine. But, you know, <laughs> but classic, classic efficiency uh, on Jill's part. But the rest of you still owe me your stories about being part of a launch day because because as we're talking about, there really isn't anything that duplicates that a moment. But, oh, but well, um, you know, I guess uh, it's fair to say you sure aren't done yet because you're, uh, you're still in the thick of it and so is Canada. What, what are you particularly looking forward to over the next couple of years? Oh, we, we, we have our plate full. I mean, we, we live in an unprecedented time in in space exploration with, you know, plans to return to the moon in a sustainable way, uh, then mm. to Mars. Uh, we have, we're preparing missions to the solar system. Uh, we still have the James Webb Space Telescope that's, uh, that's about to fly in a few months. We're now working on the flagship programs of the 2030s, the 2020s and 2030s. Right. I, I mean, yeah. we mentioned CADOM 3 on, on Lunar Gateway. Uh, we have put together, we're putting together the LEAP program, the Lunar Exploration Accelerator program that's going to allow for the first time Canadian, Canadian science, Canadian hardware to actually land on the moon. Uh, uh, we are, we, I, I have trouble believing it, but we now have a, a quite solid Mars program. I mean, we, we are. Right now we're on Mars. We've been on Mars with the Curiosity rover and the APXS instrument for yep. almost nine years. We're preparing our participation in the Mars sample return mission in the late uh, 2020s. And uh, as of late, I mean, NASA confirmed that they are interested in putting a, a, a Canadian synthetic aperture radar around Mars. Uh, really? that, that would be the Mars Ice Mapper mission. And that, that mission, you know, combines... A lot of heritage we have in, in yeah. technology, uh, in exploration, and is going to produce benefits back on Earth because the, the the instrument we're going to develop for Mars is going to be used uh, later on to study uh, ice in in the Arctic. Right. So yeah, it's it's a very exciting time to not only prepare the future, as I mentioned, but to be involved in a, a very dynamic dynamic uh, space program putting together all these projects and missions keeps us extremely busy and uh, and you know as, as CSA you know CSA people are not you know risk hungry free spirits gambling with someone else's money we, we are we realize we have a tremendous responsibility we are people work in space I mean we realize we are 
ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that, that's what motivates us and uh, make us put the, the long hours. So it's, uh, it's a really an exciting moment to be in space, working to get to space. Yeah. It sounds like you certainly have enough to do. So I really appreciate you having taken the time uh, to talk to me and talk to the Terranauts listeners. And um, thank you for being on the show. You're most welcome. Thanks again, Ian. I know. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Terranauts. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time in two weeks when we'll have another installment of A Terranaut's Guide to Leaving the Planet. We'll be wrapping up our discussion of rocket science at that time. As always, if you want to support the show, and we really hope that you do, you just need to remember one of the four R's. Rate or review us on your podcast service. Respond with some feedback or recommend us to a friend or on your social media. I'm so glad you took the time to listen to Terranauts, and I'll talk to you soon. Come on, let's keep the chatter down.